Hi, I'm Connor Fowler. And I'm Matt Smith. And welcome to Apocalypse Duds. Today we wanted to bring you a special show to celebrate and possibly denigrate the end of the year. We are joined by Renato Pagnani, a great friend of the show's show and the show's earliest supporter. He was and is a day one Apocalypse Duds goon. In fact, he was a founding member. Alas, his real life writing career got in the way. Renato, Ren to his friends, has written Pitchfork, Rolling Stone, and many others. We wanted to get some of his opinions and share some of ours. We hope you enjoy. So welcome. <laughs> welcome. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, dude. This this seemed like a fitting way to like end the year. Just get the three of us like with our original idea back together to shoot the shit, basically. <laughs> Absolutely. And I mean, I, I've seen, you know where you guys have taken it so far and uh it's been really impressive so i'd like to say to begin with you know uh congrats on on the first i'm not sure if you guys are doing quote-unquote seasons or or whatnot but like the first uh, few episodes have been bangers awesome thank you well thank you yeah and i guess we are sort of the first season i mean we've done 10 shows now so um Thank you. Yeah. And you have been here as cheering us on and telling us what to do. So <laughs> I think <laughs> yeah, it's been, yeah. I think it's been great. We could say you're the Don of Apocalypse Dots. <laughs> you just, <laughs> you pulled the strings. Well, I don't know if I'm the Don, maybe the conciliary, but. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right, right, yeah. right, right. Oh man. Yeah. So uh, how's, how's your uh, year been, Renato? Just kind of overall. I know oh. you had you had some exciting stuff happen, right? Yeah. Um, so I would categorize 2022 overall overall as a good year, as as good of as the third year in a global pandemic could be. Um, my wife and I, uh, Bailey, uh, we moved into a new house finally, um, in which we should have probably have been in six months earlier, but that's a that's a different story, but we finally moved into a, a new house. We we had gotten married last October, um, which was delayed thanks to the pandemic, of course, uh, a year. But it, this year was basically spent moving in, um, getting settled into our new house, you know, getting things organized and, and doing some interior design as much as we could. Um, and, and yeah, that was kind of the big thing this year. And uh, we're still not 100% moved in but we're, we're mostly moved in so i'll take that as a win hell yeah moving is absolutely the worst thing on the planet and the yeah. work is always so good it's like you send these pictures and it's like damn how did you do well, it I, I appreciate that yeah we um i i don't know if we actually have uh good taste or not but we're just not afraid of color so i think some people are fooled by just oh there's a bunch of bright colors this must be good well, right. a lot of people don't have color in their living spaces. And I think that is a terrible shame. Like I sort of lucked into this house that has yellow and pink walls, not mm. in a garish way, like they're soft colors, but like our bathroom on the main floor of our house is pink. Um, it's like a soft pink, like a sort of uh, octopus pink. Right. Yeah, for me, like, and, and Bailey, like, colors have always been something that's super, just not even important to us. It's just something that's, like, part of the fabric of our lives and our wardrobes. Mm -hmm. She's as into clothes as I am and um, 
our wardrobes are both full of colors. In fact, yeah, I have very little that's not a color. Like my my blacks and, and navies and grays are, you know, the the least numerous in my wardrobe. But um, you know, I think it's a very sort of Western phenomenon that like color has been gradually seeping out of our lives. Um, I, I actually read some article about this the other week talking about the the disappearance of color. Like if you look at the trends and even in like, let's say um, colors of vehicles, right? Like there used to be many more colored vehicles, um, bright colors. And now they're all some variations of, of black or silver. Right? Yeah. Yeah, except for the yeah, random like terrible Ford shame. Bronco. I feel like Ford Bronco and Jeep, like you'll see like mm-hmm. a, a bright orange, but that's literally like every every other vehicle is like white, silver, black, or some other. Well, like, very like a particular that's like a particular marketing. I think like that's like for a particular person or for a few types of people. Yeah, totally, yeah. totally. Well, maybe that's why I want a Ford Bronco because of the bright colors. Because that is the vehicle I want for my next vehicle. Oh, oh, the one of the new ones, the Sport, at least. Yeah, the smaller, yeah, that, the smaller. Dude, eh, like, I my dad's a car guy, so um, yeah. I've been around vehicles my entire life. Uh, but that is maybe one of the only like designs of. Uh, recent memory that I can think of that I saw one for the first time. I was like, fuck, that's cool. Like, everything else, I don't know. It just all looks like, all looks very mundane. And then that came out and I was like, oh, okay. Car manufacturers can actually make something that looks cool again. Absolutely, yeah. And it doesn't look as cool as the old one, though. No, it. but I mean, that's, you know, it, it's a little more 2022, whatever, you know. Like, it looks like a Land Rover. I guess a little bit, yeah. A little bit, but Land Rovers look great. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, no, no, no. And I'm not saying it in a. I'm not saying it in a bad way. I think I would just go more toward the absurd, as you know, <laughs> as everyone knows, as everyone who has listened to the show so, knows. Is this how you're breaking it to us that you have a Cybertruck pre-order? Uh, see, that's <laughs> too. That's too absurd. And I would be giving money to that devilish man. <laughs> Which, yeah, I refuse, which I refuse to do. Like, I'm enthusiastic about an electric car, of course, an electric mm-hmm. vehicle, let's say, but like, not to, not to that guy. Yeah. One of the funniest fucking things that this year in my Tesla stock just dropped. And like, I'm not a financial person. I don't have stocks, whatever the fuck, but just knowing that that asshole sits up late at night thinking, like, well, maybe not, but as rich as he is, I would be thinking, holy shit, what the fuck's going on? How do I fix this? Instead, he's just shit. Oh, no. One one percent of my worth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's clearly, and I don't know much about um, these things either, so I might be talking out of my ass as, as I want to do, but like, I feel like it's just a massive um, course correction. Like, this is, this is, Tesla is at the end of the day a vehicle company, not a tech company, and has not been valued like a car company. I mean, it's been what valued so much more than like the, the second most valuable car company. Oh, um, totally. And yeah. just kind of, kind of back in line to like what it should be, especially now that other manufacturers are catching up. And, and from what I've read, like surpassing Tesla in terms of electric vehicles is, you know, starts to make sense. Yeah. Oh, totally. It's definitely been overvalued and he is 
maybe the world's most gigantic prick. So. Uh, but alas. <laughs> so what uh, Connor had the idea to do what uh, we might call an ensemble investigation, i.e. what we're all wearing. I like I like uh, I like that phrase ensemble investigation. I feel like it's a, a great euphemism for um, what we might colloquially know uh, in other terms. But that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we've been kind of workshopping. That's what we've come up with. So, you know, what the kids yeah. might call a fit check. Right, <laughs> the right. kids these days, right. and their fit checks. So, so Renato, what no you got on under, today? No one under the age of 20 has ever listened to this show. <laughs> probably not. Probably not. <laughs> well, you know, that's not going to change with me, so I apologize. Um, <laughs> uh, I've got on. Um, so I have not, and we'll get into this later, but like I haven't bought too much, uh, too many new clothes in 2022, but um, I've kind of splurged over the last week or two now that there are a bunch of like end of the year sales and of course Christmas and I've you know received some some wonderful gifts um most of those being clothing but um right now I'll start um with I've got a cardigan on from the skateboard brand Huff actually oh all right this was a recent uh, purchase I made from a, a local skate shop um it's kind of a faux uh mohair cardigan that's a split design so half of it is at least half of the front is like a kind of a, a caramel brown and the other half is a forest green and on the back there's a, a graphic of um this woman smoking a, a cigarette from and she looks like she's like in the design style of like the 30s um and i i just it's super cozy and i've been on you know probably cardigans are my most worn garment of the past you know few years so i needed another one especially given the um, climate where I live, which is in Edmonton, Alberta. And um, so I've got that on um, with a, a white Uniqlo tee underneath. Uh, I got a pair of black Supreme denim on. I honestly think the Supreme denim is one of the better values out there. Um, and then I've got some white Old Navy socks. Um, for my money, I'll buy six packs, six four packs of, of Old Navy socks. Um, they're just, you know, kind of regular um, calf length or not calf length. But what's the what's the one in between calf length and ankle length? Like, oh, like, uh, yeah, I can't remember the term off the top of my head. Like, uh, but they're your standard, you know, length uh, athletic sock. And it, it's like $12 Canadian for a pack of four. Um, so I'll just like spend 100 bucks once a year on, on socks throughout all my old, you know, white socks and... Um, they last me for like another year and, um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Simple, simple fit today, but it's kind of, uh, cozy, uh, you know, prairie professor vibes. <laughs> prairie professor. Oh, yeah. Very I, good. I, I forgot. I am wearing glasses. Uh, um, I have a pair of, um, tortoise shell Tom Ford glasses on. I bet you do. Yeah. Connor. Yeah. Back. I can picture the outfit. I yeah, think it same, looks good. Same here, dude. You're, you're definitely probably looking better than me. It's a toss-up. But... Yeah, I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. So I'll start from the bottom. 
I have these really old wool socks that my mom gave to me on that have a hole in them. And then uh, my dear friend Matt sent me these 505s, which are awesome. I think I have worn them almost every day since I've got them. You may have noticed in my fits on my Instagram. Uh, and then I'm wearing rayon shirt that's kind of a monstrosity i guess the print is like not quite tribal maybe a little bandana and i have this white uh cable knit sweat that i got for christmas which i think is nice and i'm wearing my shuron it's my shuron ron's ear with a whip back uh ear cables cable temple those are that's a okay. combination of words that really are words, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, Matt, you got Oh, man. Uh, so I'm wearing a green quilted uh, Lavenham jacket, kind of, kind of similar to like a Barber Beatsdale. Um, a like 90s or 80s, I, I don't even fucking know, era uh, gray sweatshirts. Um, a 60s all cotton thermal, um, a pair of Carhartt work pants, and car qualities. So, pretty very nice, pretty standard. Uh, I, I very rarely step out of my little uh uniform boundary, which is usually like a t shirt or a sweatshirt, a jacket, some like work style pants, and you know, brown shoes. Woo! Very exciting. It's like the the olive drab guru kind of look. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess so. I just you know, it's what I'm comfortable in, and like, for, yeah, it's great. For yeah. just like kicking around the house, it's great. And uh, the jacket is and thermal are definitely overkill, but I just didn't really feel like getting dressed. Ugh. Yeah. So, what, Renato, you said you haven't bought a whole lot of clothing this year, um, and we know that you're also very into sneakers. Um, so, with what you what you have bought, what are what are yeah? So probably, you know, I think one of the biggest reasons that I've had to slow down was, as I mentioned earlier, you know, moving into our, our new house um, where we had a lot of, of of expenses. You know, we we mostly had things like furniture already and whatnot, but of course you needed certain things to, to fill out the space. Um, even if we technically moved from a bigger house into a smaller house. Um, but, you know, we, a few weeks ago, we actually had to buy a new furnace because of course, when you buy a house that was built in 1953, um, things like that happen. Um, and that was <laughs> in great shape um, overall. So we're, we're really happy about that and we're, we're lucky to find it. But, um, you know, that was an unexpected uh, expense. And so I also think it's just kind of part of where I am sort of in my sartorial journey, so to speak. Like I kind of feel like my wardrobe has kind of reached a place where I have most of the basics and even, you know, have kind of filled in a lot of the gaps. Um, and I'm kind of happy where it is right now. And also just getting older, you know, I'm, I've kind of become a little bit more, um, picky and choosy in terms of what I'm buying. I'm trying to, I'm trying to buy smarter, trying to buy, you know, more, more vintage, but it's um, a little bit difficult here in Edmonton, just the, the vintage options for, for men at least 
aren't great. My, my wife has better luck um, when it comes to finding women's clothes. Um, but, um, you know, I would say, you know, what, what did I buy this year? Honestly, what I bought this year, yeah. So in terms of sneakers, um, I probably have bought the least amount of sneakers um, that I that I have. I used to have a much larger collection, probably verging on 40 to 50 pairs. And oh, um, I, which like in terms of sneaker heads is not that many and, and which sounds wild, but I, I kind of have consolidated my collection down to about 12, 13 pairs, a much more manual number. I'm actually wearing most of them. Um, although again, given the climate that I live in, um, I'm pretty much not wearing my sneakers for three to five months a year because <laughs> right. the snow and the slush and the mud will, will ruin them. Um, but I would say the two pieces sort of that stand out to me is I finally um, bit the bullet and bar bought an Arcteric shell for um, skiing. Um, I, I was able to justify the purchase by saying, hey, I'm going to use it when I'm skiing and out in the outdoors in, in the winter, which is true. I, I have used it um, for those purposes already. Um, but I, I was thankfully able to find it on the, um, I forget what they call it, but Arcteryx has um, a website where they they sell um, like refurbished items basically, or like oh. items that have been returned. Um, and so I was able to get this shell at a really good discount on their stuff especially some of their most um, popular shelves don't go on sale that often. So I was able to find it at a, at a very good price. It's uh, their Alpha AR shell. So it's kind of um, a two-toned um, shell that's kind of a, a burnt orange with a kind of a lighter yellowy orange um, underneath on the on the kind of bottom of it. And that's just something kind of I've lived in um, all, all fall into the winter. Um, uh, and in terms of sneakers, uh, I would say my favorite pair that I acquired this year was a pair of New Balance um, 990 V2s, part of the initial sort of Teddy Santis design drop from the summer. Um, I Everybody was excited about the 990 V3s in the pack, but as a man of taste and sophistication, <laughs> uh, I think the V2s, uh, are were the one from that pack, but all three there was also a V1. I mean, all three were great. They're basically um, a twist on sort of the uh, classic, you know, New Balance grays, but there's sort of some um, nice details like um, a faux sort of um, aged sole, kind of a cream sole with a, a nice sort of brownish tan patch on the back. And um, you know, those those are probably the two pieces that I acquired this year that have, have for me. Oh, uh, okay, I. There's a third one, and I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention them. Um, and I'm not alone in this. I can't say um, I'm the only person who who have bought these these this year. But I also bought a pair of our Legacy Camion boots, oh. and I'm just a huge huge fan of those. Um, uh, so they're essentially a modernized, not even a modernized version. They're literally a rip of them but margella put out a boot in the early 2000s and our legacy essentially just resurrected that exact design a few years back and i bought them in the olive colorway which is kind of a nice greeny brown and yeah they're just a great kind of boot to you can dress up you can dress down and i've been uh wearing those a lot this year too 
Yeah, those are sick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're definitely a man of taste. And honestly, like, I'm not really a sneaker person, but some of the New Balance from this year have been so fucking good. Uh, like, I'm, I'm considering yeah. a pair. Yeah. <laughs> New Balance is, I mean, they've been on a wave for a few years. Um, anybody who's interested in, in sneakers would, would tell you that. Um, and which is great because, you know, as much as I love Nike and, and I mean, um, you know, every, everybody understands that they're the top dog. I mean, it's nice to have, um, and, and it's not like New Balance is some niche boutique, you know, um, small brand or anything. They're not, they're massive, but it's nice to have brands that aren't Nike and Adidas, um, you know, have these good collaborations and have these and release this good product just to so that there's, you know, some a competition in the space and be like, you know, you're not always wearing a Nike shoe. Oh, for sure. For sure. I just bought some fucking Reeboks, which never would have had on a bingo card of any capacity. And, which uh, model did you get? <clears throat> they're the, uh, what is it? it's like Connecticut edge 2.5 okay. or something. I don't know. They remind me of like, 90s uh adidas trail running shoes that i always used to wear growing up and yeah like i don't know i've been on the hunt for something like insanely comfortable but yeah i pulled the trigger because they were on sale when the colors are dope but yeah another been doing great stuff i mean Reeboks um had a good few years i mean i think when we're talking about sneakers um you know, the the brand that has sort of jumped up highest in the power ranking, so to speak, um, is probably ASICS. Like ASICS had a great year. The Gel Cayano mm-hmm. 14 is has made, was maybe the most, um, you know, popular um, non-Nike silhouette um, across Instagram and across, you know, a certain um, audiences. And they've had other, my favorite sneaker of the year was probably a New Balance, uh, sorry, um, an ASICS sneaker. It was the ASICS um, House Studios collaboration. House Studios is a little boutique in Australia, and they just put together a really nice collaboration on the Gel 1130 um, with some kind of, there's some hairy suede on the ASICS logo and just some some kind of nice muted navy and cream colors. And um, But, you know, they, they had a great year too. And, uh, you know, it's, it's nice to see... Um, all these other companies doing this kind of, um, you know, really interesting sort of work. Whereas you didn't see that outside of Nike and Adidas um, for a while, you know, um, so right. it's great to see that. Yeah. You, you don't have, you can look elsewhere and you can also find something that's maybe a little more off the beaten path. Um, and, and, you know, and it's, it's just great to see. It'll always remind me of two things, however, tennis team because that was like the shoe of choice <laughs> for most people and uh right. the early 2000s when the like uh what is it the onasuka or whatever tiger the like classic yeah. shape was mm-hmm. all the rage with basically everyone on the planet i i don't know why those, those two memories will always stick in my head that that model in particular feels to me like kind of a vestige of like the original hashtag menswear movement. Oh yeah. Oh um, yeah. GQ is which like is, you which can is wear funny. this with a suit. Like Absolutely. you can wear the Adidas Samba with a suit. Like which you can, but like not without spending a lot of money. 
Absolutely. And yeah. I just think that's also kind of funny because, you know, one of the sort of movements of 2022 when it comes to clothing was sort of that hashtag men's or 2.0 sort of resurgence. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. And I'm happy. Like, I'm happy that it's, that it's back. Like I'm uncomfortable all the time, but I would say that like, I'm less comfortable in sneakers than I okay. am in whatever the fuck else it is that I'm wearing. Um, so I'm a little bit happy to see it, <laughs> even if it is like sort of dull uh, or can be, can be very dull, but I guess everything can be dull. I don't know if I've seen you too often in a sneaker, Connor. I don't even have that. I don't even have that many. Like I've gotten rid of a few. I just like, um, because of the working in the school, it's like, I don't want to get roasted by eight-year-olds, you know? Not that I would, <laughs> but it's like, I don't want to be wearing uh, super duper nice sneakers to to the kindergarten class. So it's really a practicality thing. And I, all, I don't know. I mean, comfort is not very high on my list of priorities for dressing. So I'm just like, probably, what the fuck did I? I mean, I brought hiking boots up here. I brought wallabies up here and of course i brought up penny loafers solid solid choices i mean great. yeah that's a great rotation <laughs> yeah yeah you know because you're wearing them you're wearing them now right yeah yeah i mean they're they're not just being completely honest i'm like i've always enjoyed carts like desert boots and wallabies yeah. For more than like four hours on either of those, you will absolutely wreck yourself. Like that's that's the only bummer You're about fucked. them. Yeah. yeah. Like You're I, really I fucked. Well, they have no support. Yeah. They they don't really have any support. I mean, the... no, no, no. They have oh, no like... support. They have no support. <laughs> a crazy, a crazy yeah, soul yeah. is flat. Really... Uh, but yeah, I, I, I know what I mean. I make the mistake of wearing these to to like the markets that I do and you know a couple of hours into it I'm like I'm a fucking idiot <laughs> <laughs> I need you two to sell me on the Clark Wallaby because that's one silhouette that I have just never gravitated to and it just has never clicked for me it's just something about that shape and like the toe area in particular just I, I understand the why people love it and it's you know significance culturally obviously you know it's the the footwear of choice for the wu-tang clan right. but yeah there's something about that that is never sort of connected with me so yeah i i need you guys to sell me on that what am i missing here? i mean i got mine for free in, uh yeah that helps yeah yeah i mean in my opinion it's an objectively ugly as sin shoe but I also like <laughs> that's kind of like the the appeal to me. Like it sure. it is. It, I, I don't know how to sell you on it, but like it's ugly, but like in a cool way, for lack of a better. And they're a little they're a little bit comfortable. Yo, yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, and... for like for like kicking around, or like if you you know if you're not walking or standing all day, like they're great, but. Right. Well, and importantly, like, people are interested in ugly stuff now. 
They're more interested in ugly stuff, I would say, earlier in the pandemic. But even still, we see that the ugly stuff is here, at least for a while. Right. Um, yeah. And totally. I would include I would include the wallaby in that thing. But it's like uh, some of the kids at the school have said to me when I wear them into the school, like, oh, there there goes Mr. Connor. He's wearing the white man shoes. <laughs> uh, they're not wrong. Yeah, they're, they're not wrong. Uh, Renato, have you ever seen the uh, Paraboot Michael? Um, I'm I'm not sure if I have. No, I'm on my computer, so yeah. I'm going to Google this. It's a I'm kind of like too. okay, it's, yeah, I, okay. I'm familiar with this model for sure. It's almost like a what are they? The toe, the toe is this like a what do they call this? Like a Norwegian kind of Norwegian, style? yeah, I think Norwegian yeah. toe. So, so yeah, I, something like I think that. I could mess with that more yeah i feel like that's more up your alley than like wallabies are mm. um and, it, and it's kind of like a similar shape to me um i've always loved the michael shape and i don't know it's just it's another one of those things that like is is ugly so yeah yeah i, I don't know if you're yeah yeah you just gotta you know like you gotta the, test um... it out it may not be for you. Yeah, that's fair. Not everything is for everyone. Exactly. So, so what about uh, for you then? Music this year, which we said earlier, you have done some writing of level about music. So, we were wondering what your top whatever of this year was, because I don't want to make or. 10 if there aren't <laughs> 10 le albums to speak about this year you know which of course there are oh absolutely and i do think that like 2022 was a great year for music um and i think for art in general like i also think it was a very strong year for film too um and i think that's sort of basically a side effect of like nobody well one nobody wanted to release things like in 2020 or 2021 necessarily because um, they wanted to hold off. And like, you know, especially if you're a musician, you you can't tour. And um, when there's a global pandemic going on and although some tried and um, also, you know, that's where most of the income for artists come these days. And even, even then, like I've heard recently that touring still isn't able, you know, given the, the financials and how how much things cost now and, and inflation and whatnot touring still you know they can't break even a lot of times let alone make a profit so um it, i know it's been very difficult for for artists to make a living which is terrible but um i think not only have they been holding off releasing some of this material but over the last year or two they've had time to to sit around and, and record new stuff so i think it's been it was a great year and um you know, this is something I've been thinking about and I, as I usually do at this time of year, kind of just thinking of what, you know, I listened to most this year. What was my, what was my favorites? Um, and for me, I kind of think there were, there were three albums that really sort of run the gamut um, in terms of genres and, and whatnot. So I would say, you know, my favorite three albums um, in no real order, but were, um, Destroyer, who is Dan Behar from, from Vancouver, um, put out a really great record mm -hmm. this year called Labyrinthitis. Um, it just sort of, um, he's sort of in his mystic uh, troubadour mode as he always is, as he always is. And 
it just his band is sounds really tight and um kind of a, a return to sort of uh not not a, a dancey sort of indie rock but there are definitely some you know cry rock influences there and just the the songwriting is, is really sharp as ever um i i really really love that album i was listening to it yesterday in fact um and then there is sabrina carpenter's um emails i can't send which is i for my money maybe the best pop album of the year she's actually uh a Disney girl, so she was on the same show that Olivia Rodrigo was on. Sure, had a big pop year over the over the pandemic, um, and her she she wrote maybe the best Ariana Grande song that Ariana Grande hasn't written in nonsense. Um, just kind of a really fun track um, that sounds like the collaborations between Ariana Grande and Victoria Monet. And I just, um, I think she's a really sharp songwriter. In fact, I think her, I think the project is probably better than Olivia Rodrigo's um, Sour was that came out, was that last year, I think? Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I remember when... that was 2020 or 2021. Um, mm -hmm. But just a, a really good collection of, of sort of modern pop music that kind of spans a few different styles. Um, and then maybe my most listened to album, and, and I've kind of, realize that just what I listen to most it kind of ended up just being my favorite. Whereas, you know, in previous years, it'd be like, well, I didn't listen to this as much as, you know, album X, but you know, it's, it's, it's better for the X, Y, and Z reasons. Um, or, or I should say Z. I don't know why I use the American pronunciation. Um, <laughs> but uh, just for my, for my American friends. Um, but I would say my most listened to record was probably the weekends Don FM, which I just sure. think is probably his best project since his original trilogy, you know, 10 years ago. Um, it helps when you have one ultra, well, sorry, one ultra uh, tricks point never um, helping on the, the production side of things. So it's just kind of like on one side, it's these really accessible, um, you know, mainstream dance um, synth pop. But at the same time, you have his touches where he's adding, um, you know, OPN's magic touch. And it kind of keeps it a little bit more interesting, and I just think it's a really good collection of, of synth pop, and um, it's interesting. I never would have predicted it, but um, as somebody who is uh, historically a big Drake fan, but in 2022, The Weeknd is making better music than Drake, and that's not something I would have predicted 10 years ago. <laughs> yes, which you say with some authority as well. So, well, and that's not to say that you know I actually quite enjoyed honestly never mind drake's uh house album from earlier this year and there mm -hmm. are some there are some good tracks on his collaboration with um 21 savage uh her loss although there are also a lot of just very sour um and kind of frankly like misogynist more so than usual i know drake's playing the villain um on this album but just kind of really sour um angry sort of stuff that um, I just don't really mess with that much, but there are some also some, some good songs on there too. But um, honestly, I, I just give me, give me the weekends album this year over Drake. Yeah, no, excellent. And I think um, <sighs> the Drake 21 Savage album was just like, not like I had extremely high hopes for it, but I just thought, there has to be a limit to the amount of canned 
material that someone can release right but if mm -hmm. i guess not if you have like a huge structure behind you that that like furthers your production of music or whatever whatever the art is so i guess there's no end in sight to that sort of that to those sort of collaborations yeah and i think drake and 21 savage have they've done interesting collaborations in the past they had good chemistry and they have great chemistry exactly that's where i was where i was going with that like they kind of balance each other nicely uh 21 savage is sort of dead-eyed monotone sort of like almost like horrorcore-esque but it was also mm -hmm. camp kind of kind of whole vibe with with drake's kind of straight man um dawn sort of you know character but I, I just think like that balance really wasn't there on the project. And again, there's some, I actually think that the songs that are more successful are the ones, um, Little Yachty was involved with a lot of the songwriting process. Yeah. Um, and the songs where like his influences like really shine the brightest, I feel like are sort of the best moments on that tape. And they also happen to be um, some of the solo Drake tracks actually. Um, so, uh, which goes to tell you everything you need to know about the project. If like the actual collaborative tracks, aside from like Rich Flex, which you know has become a meme at this point, um, but if the songs where Drake is kind of by himself are the ones that uh, are sort of the most successful, at least in, in my opinion, you know, it kind of shows you the sort of the fatal flaw of the project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I think too, Twenty One Savage is in tight, and it's like it's in the name, right? Like he is the violent trap rapper. So to have him not be villainous, more villainous is kind of, oh, I feel like it would have been a better to go to return to the Drake thing. Uh, what a Time to Be Alive was a good album. Drake was on right. it and that, and that was good. Like that I thought was a good use of really of both of them. Um, so just weird. And I think what a time to be alive works because Drake wasn't trying to out future future. He was being yeah. Drake. He, he adapted to the surroundings, um, you know, like the the codeine fueled strip club sort of ambiance. Um, he was able to sort of, I mean, at, at the core of Drake, he's an actor and that's what he does. Like he can, he's, and, and that's what he'll always do. So like, he's always, there's always been an element of sort of like play acting when it comes to Drake, um, especially later in his career when he started to, you know, inhabit the the style of more of a more traditional rapper rather than like this sort of outsider Canadian guy who was like, hey, I'm not like these other rappers. Um, but on on that project, yeah, like there was a balance, like future was future and Drake was like, you know, inhabiting that space and that sort of tension, I felt like was one of the reasons that was a successful project. Also, it was eight songs, which kind of helped. Mm -hmm. um, her loss is something like 17, 18. I can't remember the exact number of songs. But again, you have Drake trying to basically be, you know, it's not a good cop, bad cop here. It's bad cop, bad cop. And like you were 21 Savage, you, you already have that. So um, trying to sort of do the same thing, um, you know, that's not the best sort of mode for Drake, I think. Drake's just trying to, you know, reignite his acting career from Degrassi. Like that's, you know, that's where, that's where he comes from. Absolutely. And honestly, you know what, speaking of that, like I'm actually surprised that Drake has not been like 
has not forayed into film like by this point. He oh is for sure. I'm very surprised actor. by that as well. He's a very decent actor. He was great on SNL. Uh, I forget if he's been there once or twice, but um, you know he he. Why nobody has put Drake in a rom com as the lead? <laughs> well, honestly, yeah. he would kill in that role. Like opposite, I don't know who would be age appropriate for him. Um, um, I mean, he's my seventeen-year-old. <laughs> Millie Bobby Brown and Drake. Yep. Um, oh man. Oh. Uh, but you put him in that role and you give him a, a good script. I think he would kill it. So I'm not sure why. I mean, he hasn't done that, but I don't know. Uh, I think I think it'd be a no-brainer. He's very that. charming. There's no denying that he's very charming. This whole discussion is making me realize that I have listened to maybe three records that actually came out this year. Well, uh, and what are those, Matt? Uh, I, dude, the Archers of Loath uh, record came out in October, um, which... I really wanted to love because that is one of my favorite bands. Okay. However, uh, yeah, it just like, like, it doesn't sound, it doesn't sound what you, what I would want from that band, which is fine. People change, people get older. They, this is the first record since like 98, I think. Okay. But uh, yeah, that, wow. um, MJ Linderman, which I, uh, a friend of mine sent me a track and I was like immediately just like, whoa, this is fucking sick. Um, and I, I think that was like on the, you know, Rolling Stone top hundred of the year or something, but it, he's like, you know, kind of an, like an indie alt country in a way, like punk kid from like Asheville, North Carolina. Right. Uh, good, good stuff. And actually I, I cannot think of a fucking third record. <laughs> <laughs> but my big thing of the year was discovering a bunch of bands that I've missed from the past decade and right. they've all broken up now. Yeah. So. What Matt likes to do is to discover music uh, and be very interested in it and then also discover that the band is no more. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's that's like why something I like that happens a lot. That's my special secret skill is finding a band that I missed somehow in the past 10 years and realizing they're, they're great and they just fucking broke up. <laughs> well, what are some examples of these uh, now defunct bands that you've recently discovered? Um, let me think. Uh, a band called Happy Diving. I think they're still like technically active, but sure. um, they, they put out a couple of records and I don't think they've, they played like one show in the past six or seven years. Um, them, a band called Iron Sheik that I think they're, they're actually somewhat still active too, but, mm -hmm. uh, I think they're like the record, the first record that I started listening to of theirs came out in like 2017. Um, those are the two that like kind of mainly come to mind, but I don't know. I just like, I stopped paying attention to like new music for a right. long time and I'm now I'm kicking my like myself about it but you know it's still it's still enjoyable and it's at least it's still available you know keeping up with new music or new popular culture um is hard like i mean i know we have streaming services um and not only for which for music, are bad right for sure streaming services could be an unlimited source of music discovery and instead they sure play you the same five songs that you don't want to listen to over and over again. 
Yeah. Well, it's because Payola never died. It just sort of moved on to Spotify. Um, yeah. And uh, off of the radio. Uh, but um, it's, it's hard. So not only, yeah, is, you know, the algorithm isn't as helpful for discovery as one would hope it is, but it's just like, there's so much new stuff. Like there's been, there's more new art released in a year, you know, now than there was probably for a decade, you know, if we're talking about in the seventies and the eighties, because the, the barrier to entry, thankfully is, is a lot lower and it's easier to start making art, whether that's film or music. Um, and it's just, it's hard to keep up. Like, I mean, they say, uh, when I say they say, I mean, I've, I've seen studies that said most people stop discovering new music at 33. Like, oh, uh, interesting. and that doesn't seem far off. Like, I mean, it's, I, I, I've even found that like, I've listened to less new music than I, than I would have 10 years ago. Um, I'm 35 now. Um, and le even less music than I did, you know, five years ago. Um, I mean, honestly, if anything, the the pandemic sort of helped me rediscover listening to new artists and new music um, and new film and whatnot, because I had time. I, we couldn't do anything else. Um, but like, it's hard to keep up with, with new shit. Yeah, yeah. I think what you said about, you know, just the sheer volume of what's being put out is, is a huge part of that, too. And, you know, like... The streaming mm -hmm. streaming services are great uh, for you know accessibility. Like you know, twenty years ago we would have had to buy all of these CDs, and mm -hmm. if you didn't want to spend the money, it's like, well, shit, I'll I'll go to the C to the uh, you know CD store and listen to a few songs like on their little trial or go to uh, the fucking library, section. yeah, or go to the library or something. But you know, like that that's definitely a positive. But then it's mm -hmm. just it's just overwhelming. You got to find someone to aggregate it all for you. I mean, I really look forward to this time of year because mm -hmm. like I am annoyingly on the pulse of music, hip hop almost exclusively, but like I miss shit even still. And so I'm excited to see always the year end list. Right. And I can remember like, like Rolling Stone and whatever, like, uh, UK music magazines that are years endless and I would like write them down and go home and torrent them you know yeah. so I am not like cursing the streaming services totally but they leave a lot to be desired especially like because I give them money every month oh for sure for sure so Connor what what's your top of this year so I did write this down and this is obnoxious because like I am so musically far from even like March. Right. Uh, I don't rem like I saw Pusha this year. He released an album this year. He's one of my favorite artists. Right. But I don't think I would put his album at the top of this year. So I wrote down five, but I will keep with the three. Okay. Um, Killing Nothing by Boldy James was excellent tremendous i mean i think he released four albums this year so my, my <laughs> number my number two album is also old boldy james album uh fair exchange no robbery with boldy james and nicholas craven which has all of these weird samples uh, which like that's pop that's rap music right it's like weird samples but these are like mm -hmm. kind of ethereal like really out there beautiful piano like the kind of stuff that i like and boldy is just like doing his over top of them um and then i would have to include sick 
sweatshirt in in my ranking this year as well, which is insane that that album came out this year, but it did. Nice. Good. The Boldy James thing goes back to the like accessibility of putting out a record. Like he put out four fucking albums this year. That's uh-huh. crazy. And they're not all amazing, but like at least two of them were very, very solid. Yeah. Uh, the, I mean, you've sent me a few tracks and like, it's not, I'm not a huge like hip hop or rap person, but like it's, it's very enjoyable and you know, it's old school enough, you know, yeah. it's oh, old totally. school enough. And like, it has, it has like some, you know, it benefits from modern technology, but it still is definitely like an old kind of music. Right. Totally. Totally. Um, so since we have all shared our music, I was going to say, uh, finally, I guess, uh, Renato, do you have, do you have a, like, was there a piece that you enjoyed writing the most this year without like throwing someone under the bus or whatever? (laughs) (laughs) Well, thankfully I'm in a place in my writing career where I get to be pretty selective about what I write. Um, been doing this for a long time and also like the editors I work with like are great and they understand what I like to write about and what I'm good at writing about. Um, and so they tend to throw me pieces that I'm going to enjoy writing. And I think that was the case for, for 2022. Um, it was, I stayed, I stayed busy writing and, um, I, I was able to do a really, or do a few really cool pieces. Uh, I would say two stuck out for me. I, in particular, um, I've been, I, I kind of began back in the day writing about like music exclusively, um, and, you know, doing writing album reviews, writing profiles of artists and, and things of that nature. Um, that's kind of how I broke into the game. And, and since then, I've sort of, you know, started to become more of a generalist, just writing about things that interested me in general. Um, and lately have started to write more about fashion and, and you know, menswear in, in general, which has been really um, satisfying for me on a personal level. Um, as much as I love music and it's one of my biggest passions, I would say clothing is probably even more a passion um, than, than music um, or at the very least an equal passion. So... Um, I've started to to write for this Canadian magazine called Sharp, which is essentially the Canadian GQ, um, mm-hmm. maybe with a little bit more uh, uh, kind of uh, yeah. It's essentially the, the Canadian GQ, and um, there are two pieces I wrote there um, in the fall that that stood out for me. One was a profile of a, a Canadian brand called Libero, which uh, is free in Italian and it's just kind of a really neat um, small brand that's making some really cool pieces um, that that does a lot of really great storytelling and basically it was a profile of the brand so I got to interview the um, one of the co-founders of the brand Adam Apoliese Um, and I wanted to tell the story too because there was a good human interest angle not only do they kind of make good um, great pieces that are all made by a 75-year-old Italian nonna uh, named Michaela, which I thought uh, it's just it is a great story to the brand. But um, the 
the co-founder of the brand was Adam's best friend, Kadeem Johnson, who, who tragically um, died by suicide a few years ago. And Adam kind of made that his sort of driving sort of, you know, motivation to, to make the brand successful and take it as far as he could as a, as a tribute to his best friend who, you know, was instrumental in the founding of, of Libero. And that, that was just a really interesting story for me. And I was able to, I was glad I was able to tell it and kind of, um, you know, share that story because it's, you know, this product. Um, and then there's, you know, what's interesting to me is sort of the storytelling behind it. And, um, of course, Libero just has a really good story and I, and I wish him all the, all the, the success. Um, and it sounds like, you know, their, their recent collection is doing very well. Um, so I was really happy to tell that story. And, and then the second one was, um, I got to, to interview, um, Jonathan David, who is a, a Canadian soccer player, um, who plays in France for Lille, um, the, in, in Ligue 1, so the, the premier division in France. And he also, um, plays for the Canadian national team who made their first appearance at the world cup at the men's world cup, I should say, um, in 36 years. Uh, the last time was in 1986. So until until last month uh canada had not been in a world cup during my lifetime so <laughs> that's um, crazy yeah it was really like um just a monumental achievement for the program and so he was in on that squad and ended up playing in the tournament um so i got to speak with him um in the fall and just kind of talk to him about you know his career and also relating it back to his personal style um so that was kind of a, a really cool um, opportunity now I can forever say that I've uh, interviewed a, a World Cup player. Hell yeah. That, yeah, add a feather, a feather to your cap. Uh, yeah, dude. There's, there's many feathers in that cap. <laughs> uh, I appreciate that. Um, maybe, yeah, maybe there's small, small ones and maybe, maybe. Well, I follow your, I follow you, right? I mean, so I see what you are writing. Um, yeah i think that they're good pieces as well i mean of course um yeah you did tell the story and it's a bit at the and i'm speaking about the libero one um then mm -hmm. i'm like uh because when did this come out not very long ago even yeah uh, i remember this yeah that piece would have been in october i think yeah october 14th um I remember this shirt. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Yeah, they do They do a lot of cool um, sort of, you know, like um, a blend of sort of classic menswear, but on the more casual side of things, but updated for 2022, like through a, through a kind of a, a unique lens. Um, like the most recent collection that they put out was all based on like the workwear that Adam's dad would have worn. Um, I think he's a carpenter and maybe perhaps a, a jack of all trades, you know, um, a lot of those, especially immigrant uh, fathers, you know, had did everything, so to speak. But, you know, like, so there's a cool um, work work jacket that's like kind of like a, uh, a more luxurious version of like the Carhartt Detroit jacket oh, okay. um, uh, that's like a it's like a waxed a wax cotton material and actually that is one of the pieces i would like to buy in the next little while um 
and you know there's um some other some other cool pieces in that in that drop but um yeah and how many uh like publications do you regularly write for at this point uh there are a few right now i would say there are maybe two or three at this point like um one's one's a local magazine um here in edmonton called edify and um i'll you know write a lot of like sort of local focused content for them um which is great they're one of the uh actually probably the only publication here in edmonton that like pays their writers like a you know fair wage so that's nice to be able to do um and and then there's yeah sort of the the things i've written for for sharp recently and i i'm I'm still branching out i've got some some things that you know in the works for 2023 hopefully um i i i'm always trying to expand sort of the repertoire of of publications i'm writing for but basically it's you know wherever whoever will will say yes to to a pitch i have um and as i tried to write more about you know men's fashion um i'm starting to to write for some of those publications as well and hopefully you know that continues in the in the new year yeah i was gonna say uh finally from the pieces that i have read of yours that are about sports um do have enough like fashion or clothing i guess i should say in them that i'm still like yeah like <laughs> i'm gonna finish this article <laughs> yeah well we're definitely excited to see uh what the new year holds for you dude well thank you yeah of course of course um yeah dude thank you for coming on the show and uh just kind of i don't know uh kicking it with us virtually <laughs> um do you want to uh shout anything out your instagram or or whatever uh sure if anybody is interested in in following along um with my you know uh writing journey or or just want to take a look at the fits and hopefully appreciate them um or you know you can come and leave comments and uh and and control me that's 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 acceptable as well if you think the fits are trash um but you can find me on twitter um and instagram at the same handle is kind of the same handle i use on on all social media platforms um the handle is renovate so r-e-n-n-a-v-a-t-e and and yeah i will usually post links to especially on twitter any any piece i write um if they're if they're pieces that end up in print uh, i'll usually make posts about them on instagram as well but that kind of is where i where i hang out you know digitally and kind of um you know just make posts and kind of post photos of my outfits and and uh and whatnot so that's where you can kind of find me online Awesome. And, awesome. And I gotta follow you on Twitter. I don't know why I'm not. <laughs> uh, well, uh, in the off chance that Twitter actually survives another couple of months, but we'll we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yesterday, um, my wife, um, who does social media um, for a living, was working and was experiencing issues on the desktop version. Oh yeah, um, same here. On Twitter. So so I don't know. That's that's that makes me a little bit nervous. Um, uh, yeah. Same. I, I don't even really post. I just use it for various, you know, ways to keep up with things. And, well, absolutely. Uh, like Twitter is probably how I've my primary news source, um, for better or worse. Um, oh yeah, yeah, totally. These days, right? And I don't think I'm alone in that. 
No, I, I don't either. It's the main reason I'm not reading the news. I mean, I haven't been on Twitter probably in a few months other than, like, to send stuff back and forth with Matt. Uh, <laughs> right. But other than that, I mean, like, a platform that I really like, I loved Twitter is just – and it before the Elon Musk thing, but, like, oh, I yeah. do think that right. it's probably dead and gone. Yeah. Sadly. On that On that note <laughs> – <laughs> On that note, uh, thanks everyone for sticking with us through whatever the fuck if the season one or whatever. Um, <laughs> oh, the uh, se- the season one finale spectacular. The season one finale spectacular. Uh, Renato, thank you again for coming on. Um, I am, yeah, I'm I'm stoked that we did this, and it was you know it's a nice way to to end the year for us. I think. Absolutely. I mean, I've seen I've seen the journey of the podcast, and uh, it, it kind of feels like a, a little bit of a full circle moment for me. You know, um, I I kind of was around in the the brainstorming phases, and I got to to be privy to some to some of that um, work, and and then hearing you two, you know, take this where you've taken it so far, and and produce some really good episodes has been really satisfying. So again, I I want to give you guys props for that and uh thank you for for having me on all right well everyone thanks for listening again um we're at apocalypse studs on instagram uh apocalypse studs at gmail.com which it's just going to be a running joke that we still haven't gotten an email yeah, um but so someone <laughs> email us please god yeah. <laughs> even if it's just a stupid meme just send it our way <laughs> um i am matt smith at rebels rogues on instagram and I'm Connor Fowler at Connor Fowler with one N. And yeah, Happy New Year, and we'll see you in 2023. Ho, ho, ho.